Um, well, I've noticed on my Facebook feed a bit uh, lately, a little while ago, um, and, and an advertisement for the, a weighted blanket. I don't know if you've heard about these blankets. Um, if you haven't heard of them, they're basically a heavy blanket that you lie under or sit under, um, and they're particularly good for people who are anxious. Um, parents are saying they're, they're great for their autistic children. Um, they remove the stress and the anxiety um, because they, they make you feel secure and safe. And you might feel it simply when you walk through the door after a big day. You might get it sitting in front of the heater with a cup of tea and a good book. Um, Sealy doesn't like going to sleep without the door being locked. Because I think we all want to feel safe. We all want to feel secure and assured that everything is okay. But what about your salvation? Do you feel secure in the salvation that Christ has won for you on the cross? And I think we all have a tendency or often have a danger of doubting. We like to trust our own righteousness. So will God really save me? And maybe there are a lot of church-going Christians in Launceston who lack an assurance of salvation, who long for that feeling of assurance, to have that weighted blanket to comfort their soul. And that's what I think particularly we see here in Romans 5 um, through chapter, chapter 5 through really to chapter 8. And it's an important reminder for us um, that these chapters here are there to assure us of our salvation. And Romans is a very systematic book. I don't know if you've got that feeling when you've read through it. It really... Um, from chapters 1 to 4, it really unpacks uh, for the unbeliever the way in which we are saved. And in these few chapters, from 1 to 4, Paul uses really strong language like, uh, you know, the, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness. And that uh, chapter 3, that no one is righteous, not even one. And so Paul creates this tension in, in these few chapters. And then in chapter 4, he really releases that tension. And he says um, that we are, are saved through faith. Our faith is what uh, justifies us. Abraham is our great father of the faith. So just as Abraham was saved uh, through faith all those years ago, um, so are we, saved through faith. And it is our faith that declares us as justified. And that's where we land here in Romans 5. This is how we are saved. We are justified through faith. And now in chapter 5, um, yeah, we, we outlay for the believer um, how we are assured of our salvation. A new section in this letter to Romans is encouraging us as believers. But justified, to be justified, or justification is a really big word. I don't know, kids, have you heard of the song Colin sings? 
the big words that end in shun. Have you guys heard that song? Well, Colin says in his song that to be justi justification is to be standing before God just like we'd never sinned. Um, so this is an idea where we can stand before God and we give an account to God and God sees us just like we'd never sinned, even though we, we are sinful people. And this is the best news for us, isn't it, kids? But perhaps a better way for us to think about this big word, justification, is that when, when we stand before God, God doesn't see our sinfulness, but rather he sees Christ's righteousness. See, when we are justified, we stand before God because we are united or we're married to Christ. And this is how we are declared justified. So this is really a bit of an introduction before we get into chapter 5. Uh, we're justified through faith in Romans 4. And now I want to talk about three ways that are three assurances that flow out from being justified through Christ that we see here. So three points I've got is the, what are the benefits of being justified? What are the benefits of suffering? And what is the full extent to which we were saved? Um, but first, let's look at what are the benefits of being justified. And verse 1, you'll see in chapter 5, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, uh, we have peace with God. This is our first blessing. Um, so what is this peace? What's this peace all about? Well, firstly, I think it's not talking here of the peace, um, peace of God, but the peace with God. There's a bit of a distinction. See, it's not concerned with our state of mind or how tranquil we, we feel, but rather it's dealing with our relationship between God and us. Uh, for example, when I, I look out the back window at home, I often see our cows, um, the cattle, they're pushing and shoving um, sometimes they're just playing, but sometimes they're, they're testing out um, who's the boss, who's going to get to the feeding trough first. Um, they're testing out their kingship, their, their right to be, to be the boss. And unknowingly, this is similar to our relationship with God before we were saved. Um, we were not willing to give up our kingship. And the Bible uses quite strong language to describe our relationship with God before we were saved and that uh, we are, we're told that we are God's enemies, that we are at war with God. But this is the first thing justification does. It removes the hostility between uh, this transcendent holy God and sinners like you and me. And this is the peace that we have with God. That's what Paul's talking about here in, in this chapter one, uh, verse one of chapter five. That is God's turned aside his anger and we now have peace. So this is something we can remember in moments of doubt, that there's now no hostility between us and God. Secondly, a second benefit that we have through justification in verse two, 
through uh, him we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So this sort of goes beyond um, peace. See, God's not just tolerating us because of Jesus, but we're now free to have a relationship with him. To have gained access to his grace is to be brought near to God. This is a really beautiful aspect of our Christian faith, isn't it? That the God who created us not only wants, uh, not only created you, but he wants you to be near to him. See, our union with Christ, our justification, gives you a free ticket to God. And this means that when you feel distant from God or unworthy, uh, we can remember that we've been justified and we've gained access to God. And this is possible because we stand in his grace, verse 2. We no longer stand in his wrath, but we stand in, in grace. This means we can pray to him out of our sinfulness. It means that we can know God through the Bible more and more. It even means by his spirit and in our relationships, um, we see God's righteousness reflected in each other because we stand in his grace. And James says it lovely. He says uh, to draw near to God, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. That is, we've gained access to God. Um, so the third benefit of being justified, uh, it is at the end of verse 2. He says, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And I think as Sarah read out, it said, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God, which I think is a bit of a better uh, way. I think it's a more accurate way to translate it. Um, so, I want to, yeah, these are the two words I want to mention is rejoice and hope. Um, and like we've said, that boast is a better way. Uh, to, to say this, that is we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And the second word there is hope. Um, and we must distinguish here from what we generally think of hope. Um, so when we read of hope in the Bible, um, we read it as an, a certain expectation. Because unlike the things that we hope for in the world, it, it really springs from the unchanging and proven character of God. It's based on God's promises, um, who always fulfills his promise. So this is the hope that we see here. So Paul is saying here that we can boast in this certain expectation of God's glory. So this language that Paul's using really gives us no reason to doubt our salvation. It oozes confidence. And um, Paul is saying that the glory of God is certain for those who are justified. But what, it, what is the glory of God um, that we ought to expect and boast about? Well, as we read, uh, Sarah read earlier, um, there's that remarkable story in Exodus. Um, and Moses was leading the people to Mount Sinai. And you remember that Moses was concerned that Israel would lose hope if God's presence didn't go with them. 
And so Mo- Moses asked very boldly of God um, to show him his glory. God put Moses in a cleft of a rock and put his hand over Moses and allowed his presence to, to pass by Moses. So God covered Moses with his hand. Such was God's glory um, that it would pass over him. See, no one, it said in Exodus, could see God's face and live. But the astonishing truth is that God's glory will not be hidden from us forever. And it's because we've been justified through faith that we've been united to Christ that we will one day see God's glory and be in his presence. See, to be justified is to boast, to rejoice in the hope, that certain hope of the glory of God. See, these are real benefits to being justified. Peace with God, access to God, and also assurance that we'll see his glory. So our second point, um, Paul goes on now to express the benefits of suffering. He says, not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, but we also rejoice in our suffering, verse 4. Um, suffering is a huge topic um, in the Bible. And this I'm not going to give a comprehensive analysis of how we understand suffering in the Bible. Um, but certainly if this is an issue that you want to talk about later, we can, we can certainly do that. But as we look at suffering in this part of the Bible in Romans, I think what it is doing here is a focus, sorry, I think the focus of this um, section of the Bible about suffering is that it is a constructive approach to how we think through suffering in our lives. So it's fair to say that we all experience suffering and at varying degrees, it's likely we know someone suffering with cancer, for instance. Um, One in five Australians experience mental health struggles. 60% of Aussies regularly feel lonely. And perhaps if we were born in India or Jerusalem, uh, we would see the devastating amount of suffering around us. Um, Yes, suffering is an inescapable part of our life, even for the Christian. And so what Paul says here is quite shocking, isn't it? That we should rejoice in our suffering. And what's Paul saying here? Um, He does not mean that we rejoice like about or in the suffering itself. Um, We shouldn't delight in pain. I don't think God delights in pain. Um, It's not something that we should seek out or go searching for. But the reason I think why we are encouraged to rejoice in suffering is because of what it produces in us. And that's what Paul goes on to say here. Uh, We're shown here a constructive nature to our suffering. That is, verse 4, suffering produces perseverance. It might be a bit different in your Bible and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. What the Bible doesn't do is it doesn't exempt us from suffering but in this instance it's giving us a gospel-shaped way to endure 
through suffering. So as Christians, we should approach suffering more as an endurance runner. Uh, we should allow perseverance to, to build our character. We should allow character to give us hope. Um, the hope that we have through Christ. Um, let me give you an example of uh, a testimony I read in a, a commentary over the week. Um, it was about a Christian man, um, a devout Christian man who um, was going through a really hard time. I think he's, he'd left his wife and he'd lost his job and his home and he was in despair. Um, walking through the city, he discovered um, a mason worker who was building uh, on a, a new church site. He was building a new church and he was carving out this triangular shape um, for the top of the spire. And so the man stopped and asked him what he was doing, what the mason was doing. And the mason looked up and he pointed in this tiny gap on the top of the building and he said, I'm shaping this triangular piece down here so that it will fit in that tiny gap up there. And the man walked away thinking that this was a message for him to help him understand his trials, that God was shaping him through his earthly trials so that he could fit into his heavenly home. I think this is ultimately the reason we can rejoice in our suffering because of that marvellous home that we have to look forward to, that is being prepared for us. We may experience suffering, but it will shine brighter and brighter the reality of hope. And we think of David in the Old Testament, and he was on the run from Saul, um, and he didn't fall into despair. We read in the Psalms that he called out to God, he trusted God's sovereignty. So this is something that we can surely do as we endure suffering as, as Christians. Uh, we can call out to God. We can continue to trust in him. So our reason to rejoice in suffering is because of the assurance we have through being justified as Christians. And lastly, uh, Paul explains that the extent of our assurance is um, wrapped up in the death of Christ. So why do we as Christians who have been justified have no reason to doubt? How is our salvation so secure? How have you been going, kids, with your pictures? Have you... And show me what you've done. Very good. What have you got, Wally? A tree. A tree, cubby house. That makes you feel safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How'd you go, Ned? Oh, that's great. Picture of God in the centre. Does God make you feel safe? That's brilliant. Yes. How'd you go, Harriet? Looks great. Lock and key. Well done. Nice, Frankie. That looks great. Mmm. Well done. Yeah, so how is our salvation so secure? Um, well, if we read verses 6 to 8, we'll see our, our assurance is really seen in the love that we, we see at the cross. Verses 6 to 8 says, You see, just at the right time, 
uh, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We see here your assurance is built on God's love. How do I know that God loves you? Well, we look to the cross again and again. That's great, Harriet. Well done. A house. A house. Oh, that makes us feel safe, yes. Uh, we look to the cross where the only righteous man to ever live uh, will die for the unrighteous, for the sinless. Uh, we're sorry, where the sinless will die for the sinners, where mockers are met with humility, and where the innocent blood of a perfect sacrifice was given uh, for you. And we know that song, your hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. No merit of my own I claim, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. So Christ's willingness to die for sinful man should assure you that God loves you so much. He's willing to give uh, everything for you, to impute uh, uh, righteousness to you to make you justified before God. And lastly, verses 9 to 11 builds on these uh, thoughts as well. So since we've been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more being reconciled shall we be saved through his life? So if God is so willing to justify us when we were his enemies, how much more will God save us while we're his friends? The gospel gives us wonderful confidence that we have a friend in Jesus. So if you lack assurance today or in the days ahead, if you ever doubt your salvation, if you think you're too unworthy to be saved, then we can wrap ourselves up in these truths that we read in chapter 5. We can put on that security blanket um, that is Christ. And we can live knowing that we've been declared righteous. We've been declared justified before God through faith. We can remember that we stand in God's grace. Uh, let's, let me pray as we finish uh, gracious God, we are astounded at your generosity to us through Christ. Uh, we, we thank you that you have justified us through faith, that as we, we lay down our lives and give up everything, we realise that you uh, have saved us, you've justified us, uh, you've brought us into relationship with you, you've removed the hostility between us and you, you help us in our suffering to focus on you. And you've, you've um, expressed your love to us on the cross. And this is a remarkable thing for us uh, to witness. And we want to thank you today. We want to praise your name uh, because of these wonderful things, this wonderful gift uh, that you've blessed us with, this life. We pray, please, you would help us when we doubt, help us. Um, and remind us 
uh, of the assurance that we can have um, in Christ as we read of here in Romans. We thank you for this word today in Jesus' name. Amen.